we're gonna go we're gonna actually do good stuff right now uh, if it is your first time, we're excited. We're, we're just excited, you know, because every Thursday there's a group of students who are passionate about pursuing God. If you couldn't tell by the way people were worshiping and things, it, you know, we don't do it just because that's the cool thing to do. We, go, we do it because we've actually experienced the mercy of God. We actually experienced the presence and the power of God, and it's changed our lives. And how, how many guys were here last night on the Holy Ghost movie, Reborn thing? It was so good. Man, I, and I'm telling you, We've seen our lives are like like this movie. I mean, I, I, I haven't we haven't seen every single thing that happened in the movie in our own personal lives, which we're going to. But man, I'm telling you, there's a group of of passionate followers of Jesus. Like our our mission statement is to lead people to new heights at Summit here, and it's specifically for us to mobilize young revivalists, people who release the life of God everywhere they go. And I was talking to Pastor Dan about you guys yesterday. And I was just so excited because I'm like, if, I was like, if you look at the group of people, we have no shortage, no lack of people who love to pray for people and who love to just see God move in other people's lives. I love this stuff. This is like dream coming true, you know, like looking at a group of people who are like, hey, you want to pray? They're like, yeah, yeah. And they're like praying for you and people are crying and tears are falling off of people's faces. And it's just exciting stuff. Like lives are getting changed. It's like such an awesome group to be a part of because on the on the flip side you come to some places you'd be like all right who wants to pray and bless the meal and it's like a the silent treatment just happened you know what i'm saying you're like and you're like we're just saying thank you to god for our hamburgers right now you know what i mean like who wants to pray be like you know what i mean you're like and, and, and it's so weird you know and i, I just feel like and we're, we're like we're followers of jesus man i think we should be the first ones who want to pray the first ones who want to worship the first ones who want to talk about what god's doing in their life because it's the most amazing thing it's not hype it's real it's it's and my life was changed when i met jesus at 17 ah, i'm excited about jesus man you know and I, i'm just saying and, and the reality is we get to come to a group of people who are just like that, who, who come here, not because they have to, not because, oh, it's what you have to do because I want to be a good person, but like, no, dude, I tasted God, and I just can't get enough of him. So we sang that. And so, anyway, tonight we, we are, we're talking about a message called In the Process. Everyone say, In the Process. And, and how many of you guys know that before Chick-fil-A was there, there actually used to be this lovely institution <laughs> called, what is it, what was it called? Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme Donuts. Did you guys know that? How many, do you guys, uh, how many guys remember when Krispy Kreme used to be where Chick-fil-A was? I remember these are, it was some time ago, my friends. And let me tell you, we would go to In-N-Out, like after Crux years ago, we go to In-N-Out, of course, and we would hang out there until the wee hours of night. But... At 10 o'clock, Krispy Kreme closes, and the, the cool part about Krispy Kreme is that you could actually go there and get a free donut. They always hook you up with a free donut, so it'll be like free dessert every time. Do you guys remember this? Well, the people that, anyway, like you would get your burger, and then you walk over there, and they, they actually give you a free sample donut. But here's the cool part. You get to see the donut being made. <laughs> it's awesome. These little, these little balls of dough would come down the little conveyor belt and all of their splendor. You know what I'm saying? They would, they would drop into the grease pile, because that's what they are. I didn't know if you know that. The, the, the donuts are just little thin little things until they get deep fried in oil. You know, it's like, oh, that's why it tasted so good. And it went down the conveyor belt into the oil, did its little fizzy thing, turned into a donut, and then the best, the best part, the glazing. 
Oh, man, I'm telling you how I would not, oh, how I would just love to get on that conveyor belt and just, <laughs> just get myself right up on that conveyor belt and get a full body glaze. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all didn't want that visual, but listen, it comes, it, it starts there, it gets into, into the oil, and then it gets to the glaze, and then they, they slap on a little, was that little wax paper, and they hand it to you all warm. Oh, and it just melts in your mouth. You know what I'm saying? And you, oh, enough calories, you know, for the rest of the month in one Krispy Kreme. Here's the point. There is a point to that. I'm just saying that. How many understand that there's a process? And <laughs> it had to go through all the stages in order for it to be what it needed to be. Let, let's move on. I have a bunch of uh, trees at my house. I have a lot of fruit trees at my house. I have, like, when we moved in a couple of years ago, that was part of the selling point because it had a nice yard in the back. And it had, uh, my house actually has an apple tree, it has a peach tree, it has a fig tree, it has three orange trees, uh, just recently two avocado trees, and I have uh, two more pomegranate trees. <laughs> I also had a grapevine at one point, but then the animals destroyed it. Um, I, <laughs> I had also some strawberries, and I used to grow cilantro, and I had a little uh, thing growing for squash, but it was hard, man. And so anyway, how many of you understand? I, I'm just trying to get you to think with me on process here. How many understand, though, it takes a process for that fruit to actually be something edible so I could eat it at the end of the day? Did you guys know that it takes at least 10 to 12 months for an orange to get orange? Like, I'm telling you, it's the worst thing in the world, walking out of your backyard and waiting for these stinking oranges to get, to like turn from green to orange. We like, I just want an orange, man. And you walk outside, you're like, come on. But I know the other trees, like, for example, I have a May Pride peach tree. And so how many all know that when May comes around, I have peaches that are ready to eat? But if I try to pick them in April, how many understand that I'm going to have some nasty stuff going on right there? You, you know what I mean? How many understand? Because process is important. It was a process for things to happen in life, and we have to actually wait for things to ripen before we eat them. You with me on this? It's a process in life. And so I, I just picked, like, I don't even know. There was probably 200-plus pomegranates on my trees the other day. And I tried, man. I tried so hard to 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 make pomegranate juice out of it, but I just I just didn't care. And so I, it just took too long. <laughs> like, And because it, it's a process, I just really wasn't willing to go through the process because you have to, like, pull all the seeds out. Then you have to blend it. And then after that, you have to put it through a sifter because all the seeds get all chunky in there. And you have to sift it through to get to the – I mean, I understand there's a process to things. And sometimes we don't want the process, and so we're left with unripened green fruit trying to produce life out of something that's just not ready for it yet. It's the same thing with your with your schooling and, and with your degrees. There's there's classes that you enjoy more than others, and there's some that you wish you just didn't have to take, but you have to do it anyway because it's part of the process to get your degree. Are you with me on this? Like it's it, it's a process. Everyone say the process. There, there's things that you have to go through in order to get to do what you want to do. It's just reality. It's just life. There's things that you have to do in order to get to do the things that you want to do. And we just don't like the in-between part. We like the excited, I have a destiny, and then destination, that's exciting. But that whole middle part, I don't, I don't like the whole middle part, though. I don't like that middle part. I like the initial, I'm awesome, and I have a destiny, and then I like the fulfillment of I'm awesome and a destiny. But that middle part of, like, I have to go through some stuff, I don't like that part. 
I don't like that part. You know, I don't like to wait for the fruit to get ready to eat. I don't like to wait. You know, I'm like, we got, I had clusters of green grapes growing on my little vineyard thingy. And then they all fell off because the rabbits got hungry. You know, it, it was just, I just, but the process though, I just didn't want to wait. And, and, and now I have to wait until next year. And I have to build fences around. I have to do this stuff because it's a process. If you want anything good in life, there's a process. And it's so important. And this is what this guy named Joseph in the Bible had to deal with. If I would bring a summary, because it's about 12 plus chapters that we're not going to read all 12 tonight, but you can read them later in Genesis 37 all the way to 50. Genesis 37 all the way to 50 is the story of this guy named Joseph. And when he was 17 years old, everyone say 17. When he was 17 years old, he had dreams of greatness. And, and, and I'm telling you, I, I, he, had, he had dreams of a great, great destiny. Literally dreams, like literally asleep dreams. Not just like, oh, I dreamed to do this one day. Like literally when he was sleeping, he had two really powerful dreams. And, and, and the long story short is basically that his family, his brothers would be bowing down to him. The sun, the moon, and the stars would be bowing down to him. And, and how many understand that, you know, if your brothers already don't like you, which they didn't in this case, and they were jealous and they hated him because the dad loved Joseph more than the other brothers, I don't understand that telling them a dream about them bowing down to you isn't the smartest plan for your life right there. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not a good thing to tell everybody, like, hey, by the way, I know you all hate me right now, but watch this. I had a dream, and all of you guys were bowing down to me. It was awesome. Let's go play cars. You know, like, like what, what do you do after that? Like, but, so here's the deal. The long story short is this, and I'm going to try to make a 12-chapter story a little bit more condensed, but we'll see how it works. He goes, his brothers are out in the field doing their thing, and, and so uh, Jacob, which is the dad, said, Hey, Joseph, can you go check on your brothers and report back to me on what they're doing? So he goes out. He finds his brothers, but they see him coming from afar off. And they're like, oh, here comes this dreamer. And they're, because they already don't like Joseph because of all the stuff. And, and basically they hit him. They started plotting how they could kill him. Now that's just, that's kind of crazy talk. We think we live in a weird world, a hard, you know, world. It's like, uh, it's been going on for the beginning of time. You know, it's like, and his brothers hate it. They, they see him and they're like, oh my gosh, let's kill him. And so, so they... So they're planning a thing to kill him and to, to do all this stuff. And basically, uh, one of the other brothers kind of speaks out. And he's like, guys, let's, we can't kill him. He's our brother. And so they, they compromise and say, okay, we'll just throw him in this pit. And <laughs> I was like, I don't understand. You think you got family problems. You know what I'm saying? Read the Bible. And, and so these dudes, like, they threw their brother into a pit. And then they're, like, trying to think, like, hmm. And then they saw these uh, Midianites passing by in their caravan. They're on their way to Egypt to bring some stuff there to sell to Egypt. And so they're like, ah, oh, I have an idea. Let's sell him to the people going to Egypt. That, that's good. And they actually sell him for 20 pieces of silver. And, they, and they, so they get, like, you know, however much money that is today, they get a small paycheck for selling their brother off. And they're, I mean, it's just jacked up stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, and so Joseph gets sold into slavery. He gets taken in and bought by this guy named Potiphar. This is the thing. This is how you know you have a calling on your life because you're blessed everywhere you go. Joseph had the presence of God on him everywhere he went. And so wherever he was, he was, he was prosperous. I mean, his circumstances were unfavorable, but his life had favor on it. And it said the Lord was with Joseph and prospered everywhere he went. So he's serving in this guy Potiphar's house. And actually, he was doing such a good job that when he uh, Potiphar saw that and he 
actually, Potiphar, it said that Potiphar actually saw the, the presence of God on Joseph, and he made him the head of his whole household. That's good news, man. That, that, that's, a, that's what I like to call the preview of your destiny. That you, you see it in a shadow form. You see it in a little seed form, but it's not the full thing yet. And I believe that happens in our lives, that, that you'll see a seed form or little pieces of your destiny before the whole thing comes to pass. Are you with me on this? Like, there'll be little shadows of it coming throughout your life to remind you the promise of God is actually true for your life. It's not fully there yet, but there's, it's coming. It's coming. Just look at your neighbor and say, it's coming. And so he goes to Potiphar's house. Potiphar exalts him and lets him be the highest in his house. And, you know, lo and behold, he was a good-looking guy like, you know, Dakota is, a good strapping young lad. But he's already taken, so, you know, anyway. And so... <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> and so he... He's a good-looking guy, and Potiphar's wife takes note that he's a good-looking guy. And, and, you know, man, I don't know what the deal is in the Bible sometimes. The Bible is just not PG. You know what I'm saying? It's not even G. It's like an R-rated book. You know what I'm saying? Potiphar's wife just checks him out and goes, dude, this guy's good-looking. And she doesn't even, like, try, you know, icebreaker lines. She just says, come to bed with me. Like, that was her first line to him. Like, sketchy. You know what I'm saying? Like, if a chick just walks up to you and says, come to bed with me, like, I don't know, man. You might not want to go that, that route. You know what I'm saying? And Joseph's like, no way. Potiphar, trust me. And he said, how can I, how can I sin against God and do such a wicked thing? He carried his relationship with God with him still. And, and, and she's like, no way. And so she kept pestering him, pestering him, pestering him. I'm going to understand that if you're a guy and, and, and Potiphar's wife is a semi-good-looking girl, like, this is called temptation, now, all the guys are kind of like, I'm not sure if I should say amen to that because that's a little embarrassing. But the reality is, this is called temptation. This is, this is real stuff right now. And day after day, she's tormenting him. And so finally, she grabs his jacket, and he's like, hey, let's do <laughs> That's in the message Bible. It's the message version. I, I, uh, it's not in the one that we're reading. All right. She said some sketchy thing to him. <laughs> and he's like, get away. And so he drops the coat and runs but because i mean I, I love that about joseph because he's so honorable but homegirl trying to cover up her her stinkiness like she she tells a story about him and says oh actually it was him trying to get with me and so potiphar sends him to a prison and and that's a bummer for joseph but guess what because the favor of god's on his life guess what happens he becomes promoted and he like gets to be like the person in charge of the prison he's a prisoner in charge of the prison that's how you know the favor of god's on your life you go through any circumstance you're blessed everywhere you go you just get promoted everywhere and and so he gets thrown into the thing and so there's these two guys that are in the the prison that he's he's serving and pharaoh king of egypt had two guys that were part of his thing there was a bread guy the, the bread maker and then the cupbearer the guy who would actually serve wine to the king are you guys still with me <laughs> story time not with don but with me but it's almost as good and so you know you you got the cupbearer and you had the bread guy and the bread guy and the cupbearer had some dreams and and so joseph's kind of familiar with dreams <laughs> so they tell him, they tell him, hey, these are our dreams, and it, they lay out the dreams, and, and they say, oh, I know what the interpretation is, and he actually interprets their dreams, good for one guy, not good for the other guy, 
for the for the bread making guy, he was like, sorry, dude. In three days, Pharaoh's going to cut your head off and you're going to die. I don't know how that conversation went because after that, that <laughs> like, oh, and by the way, uh, Cub Bear, let me tell you what your dream is. And and he said, actually, the Pharaoh's going to promote you back into your job in three days from now. And lo and behold, in three days, it was the Pharaoh's birthday. And so he's like, let's celebrate. And he pulls out homeboy, homeboy uh, Cub Bear, and he's like, I like this guy. Let's have him come back. And the bread guy got his head cut off. That's just the way it happened. And it was just a bad day for him. That's weird. I know. We we're making jokes about that. I'm sorry, Lord. But the thing is, he's like, hey, Cupbear guy, I interpret this dream just when you talk to Pharaoh, can you just put in a good word for, put a good word for your boy? You know what I'm saying? Like, help a brother out. When you talk to Pharaoh, just let him know that it was me that hooked you up. Please remember me. Two years goes by. <laughs> Two years! And he still doesn't remember. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream. There's a lot of dreams going on. And Pharaoh has this dream, and all of a sudden, uh, he starts telling all of his like magicians, all the different people in his in his, and nobody could interpret the dream. And then a light goes off in the cupbearer, like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> about two years ago, I was in prison, and there was this, there's this Hebrew kid that could that could interpret dreams. Maybe we should have him come." And says, so, "Okay, he comes," and 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 to kind of you know put a bow on the story, you know, he comes up, he interprets the dream. And he, and he actually tells him what's going to happen, this whole thing. And Pharaoh, because he had the favor of God on his life, whether he's in the prison or in the palace, he got promoted again to the second in command, and he was actually ruling over all of Egypt. And then the story continues, in short, that he's actually used to basically save the world because there was a famine in the land, and his wisdom and his dream interpretation actually saved the world from dying from famine. And his family gets reconciled. It is a powerful, powerful story. But he, here's the point. Psalms actually gives history of Israel and tells part of the story like this. And we're in Psalm 105, if you remember. And I'm just going to read from 16 to 22. Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. It's God. And he destroyed all the provision of bread. And God sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons in verse 19. This is key right here. If you don't remember any verse from tonight or anything I say, remember this verse, Psalm 105, 19. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Until the time that his word came to pass, what was his word? He had two dreams of greatness. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord, the destiny, the dreams that God gave him, the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. That's the Pharaoh that we're talking about. He made him lord of his house and ruler over all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. I love this. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. When God gives you a word, the season of the process that you go through is the testing to see if you actually believe what he's telling you. And I was reading this message. Uh, Charles Spurgeon has a sermon on that specific verse, and this is what he says. He said, you may rest assured, brothers and sisters, 
that wherever God gives extraordinary gifts or graces and and appoints an extraordinary career, he also appoints unusual trials. That wherever God gives extraordinary gifts or graces and appoints an extraordinary career, he also appoints unusual trials. The path to the palace is full of trial. It's just the way it is. The path to greatness has trials all over it. I was listening to Chris Valton share a message about how the Lord had called him and and how the Lord is speaking to him about his commission that he would prophesy and and minister to uh, kings and different people. And he's actually doing it now. And actually there was a nation, I think it's in Eastern Europe, that have actually asked him to come and and disciple them and to teach them. Like the the ruler of the nation is actually saying, hey, can you come and teach us how to do this thing? Kingdom, they're asking for kingdom, kingdom of God type of advice. But when the Lord was speaking to him, he tells him his calling, he tells him his destiny and all this stuff. This is back in like 84. And then at the end of the word, the Lord turned to him and he looked at him and he said, and history will tell if you believe me. He tells him about his destiny and he says, history will tell if you really believe me. Because it's one thing, it's, it's one thing to hear God speak to you something. And it's another thing to actually go through the process and the refining to actually go from two dreams as a 17-year-old 13 years later where your brothers are actually coming and bowing down before you. It's a process. And history will tell if we really believed God. And this is what I believe the Lord was doing with Joseph when it says the word of the Lord tested him. Because how many many understand that we find ourselves excited about the destination, but upset about the journey. Oh, y'all don't want to talk to me now. We're excited about the destination. We got Facebook posts. We'll make t-shirts. We will tell our friends. But we are upset about the journey sometimes. Like, I don't want to get sold into slavery. I don't want to go to a prison. I want to get wrongfully accused. I don't want to go through all that. I don't either. (laughs) But the reality is, that's how we get to the destination of God. College students, we're in the middle of the journey. You are discovering your career. You are discovering who you are. You're discovering who you're going to marry. You're discovering who you're going to like be with for the rest of your life. Like where you're going to live, where you're going to work, all this stuff. And it's important to realize that you're in a process. It's important to realize, like, like nobody likes fruit that hasn't been ripe. And I just want to say that destinies with unprepared people is not a good plan. <laughs> destinies with unprepared people is just not a good plan. That two years, that last two years that he was in the prison, the cupbearer had to do his part. Like, there was stuff happening in Joseph. God was doing until it was the right time for Joseph to take the place in the palace. God was doing something. You with me on this? And I want to, I want to spend the rest of tonight talking about how to manage yourself within trials. Because the reality is, is that some of us are in them right now, or some of us are going to be in some. And it's just life, man. And it's good. It's, it's so good. Look at your neighbor and say, it hurts so good. 
first thing is this, and it could be a cliche, but it's very important for us to catch this. Embrace the process. Em- embrace the process. Like, like, Joseph had the opportunity to get polluted by the trials he was going through. Like, he had the opportunity where, where he could let his frustration, his anger, his pain, and disappointment, and I'm sure he had days where those got the best of him, but he could have let that stuff, like, dilute, like, like, pollute him. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, where that disappointment becomes a lens that he sees life through. He had the opportunity to get angry and bitter towards his family. Can you imagine... You're sitting there in a prison cell. You get a lot of time to think about some of this stuff, and you could sit there as a victim to everything that you've gone through. That's, like, really easy to become a victim to your circumstances. But he embraced the process. Instead of resisting it, he let God work in his heart during this process. And Joseph, man, I love it because he came through the testing and came out on the other side with his faith still intact. He wasn't bitter at his brothers. He wasn't bitter at God. He wasn't bitter at circumstance. Was it hard? Yeah, it totally was hard. But he wasn't angry at the world because of what happened in my life and what they did to me and what I've gone through. You don't know what I've been through. It's like, yeah, we've all gone through stuff. What are you doing with it, though? Are you angry at everybody? Are you bitter at people? Are you embracing the process and realizing that the bitterness that's coming up out of you, if it is, is actually God allowing that to rise to the top so he can cut it out of your life. Sometimes we, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, we, John Maxwell has this principle called the Bob Principle. I read it in one of his books a few years ago. And it means this, and no offense if your name's Bob. <laughs> no, it's Bobby, dude. It's right. It's different. It's good. No, it's but he just used it as a, as, a, as a thing. And he said, listen, if Bob has a problem with everybody, then it's not the people that are a problem. It's Bob that's the problem. Because Bob is the common denom- denominator in every one of the problems. <laughs> Did you get that? <laughs> if you have a problem with everybody and everything around you, it's probably not the things that are around you. It's probably you. Because you're the only common denominator in all those situations. And we get to embrace the process and go, wow, it's, it's like, you know, the famous line, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> but for reals. <laughs> like everywhere I go, I feel rejected. Well, maybe because you have a lens on that you look through life like that. Everywhere I go, I can never seem to break through and I'm always disappointed. Well, maybe God's trying to talk to you about something. Well, it's just the devil. Well, whatever. What is God trying to say? <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, sometimes, in, I don't know if this happens just in, in a certain stream of church, but we blame the devil for so much stuff, man. We don't take responsibility for our actions. But like, the devil is just, you know, ruining my life. Well, like, well, maybe you should stop sinning. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I don't know how it happened, but, you know, all the, you know, they tell all these bad circumstances, but, like, probably because you're living in immorality. Like, I don't know. Probably because you're making a lot of bad choices with your life and you're reaping the consequences. Like, it's the devil's fault. No, dude, you just need to, like, repent and embrace the process. It's good. It's so good. The sword of the Lord just starts cutting things out of our lives, and we're more free because of it. 
When we resist it, we stay bound in shame and fear. And we're the same people at the end of the day. We let God do work on us and we embrace the process. It's so good. The purpose of the storm is to purge you of any storm that's inside of you. Like, like listen, there is a difference between going through a trial and, and then living in perpetual trial because of the filter that you always look, look, look like live life through. Like, 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 in other words, sometimes people are always going through something, and it's not because of the trial. It's because your life is just the filter of everything is bad in life. You with me? Like, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Like, life isn't that bad. We'll go through some stuff. I'm, I'm just saying, look at the life of Joseph. He had so many opportunities to whine and complain about what he was going through. And let me, let me just say this. Uh, we all have these moments, myself included. Like, there's times in life where I just want to sit in a corner and cry about circumstances. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just be real right now. Like, there's times where, like, people come and, like, oh, hey, how's it going? And I just throw up on them. You know what I'm saying? And I'm talking about, like, like word vomit. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me just tell you everything wrong that's going on in life. I'm not saying you don't have permission to have a bad day. I'm just saying that the overall outlook of your life, is it freedom or is it just bound by bad? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, are we living with negative expectation that nobody likes me, everything's going to go wrong and all that? That's just not what Jesus came to give you. Like, Jesus didn't die on the cross and give you a brand new life so you could have a negative expectation the rest of your life. Amen. (laughs) I will amen myself. Listen, trials are meant to bring you to maturity, not give you a negative outlook on life. Trials are meant to mature you and cause you to grow up into the person that God has you to be. James says it like this. Count in all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And steadfastness, let it have its full effect. Why? So that you can be perfect and complete. Another translation, that you can be mature, lacking in nothing. God's sending, I believe that God actually sends trials our way. You're like, I don't know if I believe that. The Holy Spirit sent Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Like, I love Holy Spirit. But not that part of it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like it when he heals people. I like it when he uses me to prophesy. And I like it when he makes me have, like, joy. But sending me into trials, I'm just not down with that part. But we embrace this process because we're better because of it. Like, the same Hebrew word in uh, in Psalm 105 that we talked about where it said uh, the word of the Lord tests him is found in Psalm 66. And this is what he says in verse 10. For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us. As silver is refined. You have tested us and you refined us as silver is refined. This is what I realize, and this is what I've seen in my life. That uh, the way that silver is actually refined is they put it in this like pot type of thing and they heat it up until it like melts and it becomes like this liquid thing and all the impurities they rise to the top. And it's called dross. And the, or the impurities of the silver rise to the top. But I mean, I understand it's the fire that causes it to happen. And when you, you know, say it, and, and so the silversmith takes that, he scrapes off the impurities and lets it happen again. And so the next impurities rise to the top and then does it until he can see his reflection in the silver. And this is what Psalms say. You tested us, you refined us as silver is refined. So the fiery trials that we go through actually do us good. 
and they bring up to the surface our impurities. We understand like our impurities come out when we're under pressure. How many understand like when you're in conflict with people, with your roommates or your family or friends or church people, leadership, whatever it is, how many understand the real you really comes out? You know what I'm talking about? Not the bless God, hallelujah, shikaraba shandai, you know what I'm saying? All that stuff, you know, hopefully it's the real part, but the reality is there's some junk inside of us. That's just, we're in process. And when you get in conflict, all of a sudden this stuff comes out and you go like, oh, wow. <laughs> I, didn't re- I didn't realize that was in me. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, I didn't realize I could get that ugly on someone. And we're like, oh, man, the, and the impurities rise to the top. And we're like, oh, dude, that impatience came out of me really bad. Like those words, that fierceness, that, that fit of rage. Like I remember, like this is kind of a surface story, but I'm just going to say just for the sake of example. I remember years ago I read, I was reading through in Galatians. I was first reading through the Bible. Galatians 5 talks about like the acts of the flesh and the, the messed up things, don't do these things basically. And it said fits of rage in there. And, and man, I, I'm telling you, I got so convicted because it actually said the, the people who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I got like a real good motivation to not have fits of rage in my life anymore. Because I would get angry at stuff. Like I would get angry and I want to hit things. Like I was for real. And I'd be driving and I would have some serious road rage and I want to get crazy on some fools. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I would get so angry and I read that and all of a sudden it convicted me. Like, wait a second. If I, have, if I live consistently in a fit of rage, then I will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, you could, you could slice it and dice it however you want, but I just realized that's some impurity in me that I don't want living in me because it doesn't make Jesus happy. And so I started realizing that fits of rage are actually going to kill me. I'm like, I'm stopping that. But how many understand it was the fire of the trial that brought that out? It wasn't the happy-go-lucky, let me lift my hands and sing a real happy worship song. It was like, this dude just cut me off, and I want to punch him in the face right now. (laughs) But how many understand that that actually shows more about me than it does about the other person? The trials actually show more about you than they do about the other people and the other circumstances. God will take care of the other people. You just worry about yourself. Only you control yourself. Nobody else controls you. And we say, like, they made me. But, like, no, you actually gave your power over to them and let them control you. Well, you they, they did this. Yeah, but it's your hand that punched them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's your words that came out of your mouth. It's you, you're responsible for you. You will have to give an account for every word and every action that you do before God. I'm not saying this to freak us out. I'm just saying, like, listen, we have to take responsibility for us. And when the fire comes and the impurities rise, we're like, thank you, God. I didn't realize that this was living in me. I'd like to, can you help me get this out of my life? I submit and I repent. Like, God, I'm sorry. I've been living in fits of rage. You you following me on this? Like, man, another one was, I don't know why they all have to do with traffic, but I remember, like, I literally kept hitting red lights. Like, and I know this is kind of surface, but man, I'm telling you, it drove me crazy. And I would literally on every, every time I would go to point, from point A to point B, I would hit like 15 red lights, dude. Um, oh, dude. 
and I'm telling you, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Oh, it's red. You know, <laughs> like, is that going to turn? There's like, I don't know if you guys know, like on Palmer Airport Road from the freeway to like San Marcos, there's like a million lights in between there. You know what I'm talking about. I swear, dude, I hit every single one of them. I, and, and you know what's the worst part? Nobody's turning right. No one's on the other side making the light turn. There's nobody there. You just stop there. You're like, why am I stopped here right now? Nobody, there's nobody there, you know, you know, I try to do, I try to flash my blinkers, dude, I, I try to honk my stinking horn, I don't even, I try to get like a cop siren, no, I didn't do that, but I'm saying like, whatever it was, it freaked me out until the Lord just started telling me like, I'm trying to teach you patience, and then I'm like, <laughs> and so what did I do, I just really tried, I'm serious, but let me tell you, this is correct, I'm telling, I don't, I guarantee this is the Lord. I'm going to go to heaven and be like, Lord, let me, let's talk about something. No, no. I swear the second I, I like submitted to that and positioned my heart to say, yes, Lord, to patience. And I didn't have, I did not run into red lights, dude. I'm not even kidding. I'm not saying I never hit a red light in the rest of my life. Cause that would be awesome. But that wasn't the case. But I'm saying like that whole weight of frustration literally lifted off of me. And, man, I, I'm just saying, like, listen, if we blow up on people in every conflict, there may be some unresolved disappointment living inside of us. You know what I'm saying? Like, in the midst of our trying and our testing, like, we have to ask God, like, what, what's in me that you're trying to get out of me? What, what kind of dross, what kind of impurities are you trying to remove from my life? Because I want you to see reflection when you look at me. Jesus was so pure that he could say statements like, if you look at me, you can see the Father. When you see me, you've seen the Father. I, I would love it if, if we could actually say that statement to people. Like, hey, listen, you want to know who dad is like? Just take a look at the way I live my life, how I love people, how I'm patient, and, and, and how I don't blow up on people. You get what I'm saying? I want to be transformed like Jesus so much to the point where I could say, look at me, you see, Dad. That's, that, that's, that's where we got to be. Embrace, and when we embrace it, instead of resist it, God works on our hearts, and we're better off because of it. And not even just because, oh, I'm a better Christian now. But listen, listen, we're better off because of it, because we're more like Jesus, and therefore we actually are better people to actually be around. Like, your, your relationships actually function a lot better when patience and kindness is, is in the midst of them. You with me on this? When our hearts understand what submission is, and we don't have to be the boss of everything, but we actually, we let leaders lead. Let me understand, have you guys been in a room where there's so many chiefs and not enough Indians? You know what I'm saying? A lot of, what's it, a lot of cooks and, what I don't know, whatever. Just too many cooks in the kitchen, someone said the other day. And it's so hard, but... Chefs, yeah, you know what I'm saying. How many understand that that's a quality? Jesus said, I've come to serve and not to be served. But maybe, maybe if we're trying to be the one that's in charge of the time and it's falling apart all the time, maybe the Lord's trying to say, hey, I came to serve. You should try that one for a little bit. And just humble yourself and just say, I'm not about my agenda. Who's in charge? Okay, what's the agenda? I'm all in for that. That's what Jesus did. He said, I'm not doing whatever I want. I've come to do your will. That's what he said to the Father. And he said, Dad, whatever you want, I'm doing whatever you want. 
I'm just saying, you got to look at your trials and say, Lord, what are you trying to purge from my life? Eee, I should keep going faster. Psalm 119 verse 71 says this, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Wow. And so we just embrace the process, man. Joseph, he went through some crazy stuff, but he embraced it and held on to God in the midst of all of his trials and fears. So that God, there's some unjustifiable fear in my life. I'm afraid of opening up. And I need you to heal my heart. I'm afraid of rejection. Lord, I need you to heal my heart. This is why I keep shutting off. Every time I get close and close and close to a relationship and then it comes to this point where I'm going to open up, that's, I, I sabotage the entire thing so that way I don't have to do it. And it's just going to happen over and over and over until the stuff is purged out of our hearts. It's like that song that Diana loves so much, that relents. You, you won't relent until you have it all. You know, that my heart is yours. That's just God, man. He's just like, yeah. I just, I just feel like that. Um, this is so important for us to take that in and just go like, okay, God, I'm not going to run from the process. I'm going to embrace this thing. Second thing is, and it's it's all alongside of this, but learn to wait. We talked about this, but learn to wait. One of the things that Holy Spirit-led living produces is patience. Did you know, okay, Joseph was 17 years old when he had the dreams, and it explicitly says that he was 30 years old when the Pharaoh, when he was promoted in Egypt. And all of you good mathematicians know that that was 13 years. <laughs> that was 13 years that he had to wait until he saw the promise of God fulfilled in his life. 13 years. <laughs> like I've been waiting two years to see my dreams come to pass. Come on, man. Let me ask you this question. How many all would like a doctor to do surgery on you who skipped and cheated through the last 10 years of their schooling? Come on, Dr. Yar, help me now. How many years do you have to do for school? What is it? <laughs> She's going to be done by 30. Okay, listen. <laughs> she will start her profession at 30. Come on, man. I mean, I'll tell you, we're like, oh, I want to make it happen then because it's not happening when I want it to happen. And I'm like, we want to have a quality life, but we, wanna, we don't want to learn to wait for it. We want to have the, from the, from the, you know, we hear this message, <laughs> from the prison to the palace, and one day God can turn it around. But there was 13 years that God led up to the prison. <laughs> To the one day that turned it around. I believe in the suddenlies of God. I believe that they can be waiting. They didn't know how long they were going to wait in the upper room on Pentecost, but suddenly the wind came in and the power of the Holy Spirit came. They didn't know how long they were waiting. 
It was about 10 days. All right, I like my destiny fulfilled in 10 days. I like those words. You know what I'm saying? There's prophecies that I, I, and things that God put in my heart in 2001. Some of you guys were like toddlers back then in 2001. And you know what? They still haven't come to pass yet. What am I going to do? Give up on God because he didn't give me what I want? Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him, said Job. He can do whatever he wants to me. And I'm not going to lose my hope in the person of God because he is my hope. He is my fulfillment. Jesus Christ is the one who satisfies me more than every promise in the world. There's, I, I have the picture in my head. I could see my, I could see the thing that I want to do. I could still see it. I saw it on a DVD, 2001 or 2002. And I said, that's what I want to do. And I felt like it was this thing that God put in my heart. We don't want to, but that was... How many years? That's like, that's a long time ago, dude. Hey, I'm coming on 13 years. Come on, dude. 14? Okay, I'm past it. I'm still waiting. It's fine. And then think about this. Can you imagine what the last two years were like for him? Because he wasn't like, you know, I'm saying he was in a prison. Can you imagine that? And then he's just waiting like, cup bear, cup homie. Just, wow, he, he, he's going to put a good word in. I just know So, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like every morning, like, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> Please let it be. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the temptations are to try to make something happen in your own strength. But this is what God does. And he, the, they said the word of the Lord tested him. You're going to trust God or you're going to trust man? Because no one can fulfill this stuff unless God does it. Like, you cannot make your destiny happen. Only God can. Who, I mean, who else in the world can take a prisoner and exalt him to the highest place in the kingdom in one day? Who else can do that? <laughs> I've never seen that done in, in the strength of man. But God had a way for him. And he had to have the cupbearer do this thing and get back into place and get positioned. And he had to, he had to have all those little things happen so that not only Joseph was the man that he needed to be, but that the circumstances were what they needed to be so that way he could be appointed to the position where he literally saved thousands of people's lives. That's good stuff right there. And so, man, we have to trust that God is faithful to bring his word to pass because unless God is building it, he won't sustain it. Like Psalm 127, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, and to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. It's like, man, I got to figure out how to do this. No, dude, God gives you sleep. Take a nap. Stop stressing out. <laughs> That's literally what he's saying. He's like, you're, you're waking up early. You're staying up late. You're feeding on sorrow and anxiety. He's like, God loves you. Go to bed. <laughs> like, literally, he's like, how am I going to make this happen? I have so many dreams stirring in my heart. You told me, God, it was your word. Did I even hear God? I don't know if I even heard God. The circumstances are telling me that nothing is going to happen. Bro, God loves you. Go to sleep. <laughs> Relax already. That's literally what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if God's not building it, 
the people who are building it, they're, not, they're doing it in vain. It's not going to work. If, if, the, if God's not helping you watch, be the watchman, the place isn't going to be guarded. It's just the way it is. The last thing is this, cling to God in his ways. So we embrace the process, we learn to wait, and we cling to God in his ways. One of the coolest parts of Joseph's story is that the presence of God was with him throughout all the process. And that presence, it was the presence that caused him to prosper wherever he was placed. The, the good news is that we know that God is actually with us in the midst of the trials. In the midst of the uncomfortable, he, we have the comforter. We talked about this last week. He can be found in the pit. He can be found in the life of a slave. He can be found in the prison, and he can be found in the palace. Jesus was born in obscurity and placed in a feeding trough. Because he's found in those places. He was sending a message to say, I, I'm not just coming to the prestige. Jesus wasn't born and then placed into the palace. He was born in obscurity and in the place where he was rejected. There was no room for him in the inn. Jesus was found in a place of rejection. Jesus was found in a feeding trough. He was found in the outskirts where nobody thought God could be found. He was found. God was found amongst tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners. Jesus was found with the broken, with the sick, and with the religious leaders. Jesus is with us. He can be found in the midst of all of our circumstances. And it's good to know the Comforter is with us. Jesus walks with us through the trials. And I'm telling you, uh, uh, Joseph probably found plenty of reasons to quit. He had betrayal. He was mistreated. He was forgotten. I bet most of us in the room have felt betrayed. We have felt mistreated and forgotten. But what are you going to do about it? Like, like really, like, he could have just give up on God. I mean, I'm telling you, he probably faced the doubts. Did God even really talk to me? Is this all just like a myth and a fantasy? Did I just, have I been like trying to honor God? Has this all been in vain? Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, after life, you go like, is this really going to do anything? Because it looks like when I look at the last 13 years, I go like, wow. I mean, I've seen a couple cool things here and there, but that's not really what I was hoping for. Is God even for me? Does he really believe in me? I wouldn't doubt that. We start doubting our friends, start doubting our leaders, start doubting everything in, in, in the path. And he could have just gave up on God. Like, forget that. Potiphar's wife, come on. I don't even care anymore. I have, I have a justified reason to go into sin. No, you don't. If, you, if you're devoted like we just saying, your love is devoted like a ring of solid gold. Are you with me? Like, this is real, real talk. Like, real talk. People give up on God all the time. We just, we just oh, he didn't do it how I want him to do it. He didn't, he didn't fix all my problems. Actually, the problems were in your life so they could fix you. Like, get mad at God? What do you mean, get mad at God? He loves you. He gave his son for you. Like, what are you talking about? Well, I have, a, I have reasons why. 
I don't have to forgive that person. I don't know, man. It's just, it's just hard to look Jesus in the face and say that stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, I just, I just look at Jesus. It's like he had all the reason in the world. He didn't do anything wrong. And I just go like, but I love about Joseph is that he clung to God through all this stuff. And I love it because this, like, he shows that someone could go through all of that and still come out on the other side with faith in God. Uh, worship team, you guys can come up. We're going to come to a close here. And I'm going to send land on this. Psalm 63 says, My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. And I just, I, I want to implore us to, to grab that. You know, I've been, as we close, like I, I've been reading through First Peter as like a, my daily devotional and stuff. And the book was actually written to the dispersion of Jews who got scattered throughout the regions and stuff. And it's all about going through trials. The book of First Peter is all about going through trials. But this is what I love about it. That through the trials, they are actually encouraged to have Christ-like character, Christ-like character through everything that they face. They're saying, listen, if you're, if you're a servant, you need to be submissive to your master, even if he's harsh. And it's like, wives, be submissive to your husbands, even if they don't believe. It's like, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. In other words, he's saying like, listen, it's not about the trial that you're going through. Hey, it's about what God's doing in you. You guys with me on this? We're, we're landing on some heavy stuff here, but I believe that the character that you walk in through your trial actually sets you up for future success. I believe that's why Joseph, the cupbearer, remembered him. Because he wasn't like, dude, get your stinking dream out of my face, dude. I've been waiting for my dream to be fulfilled for stinking 11 years. Get out of here. I am annoyed by you. He could have done that. But like a true servant, humble and full of integrity and grace, he just said, hey, let me help you with that. And it set him up for future promotion. I believe the way that you handle your trials now will actually set you up and determine what you're going to do in the future. I believe that with all my heart. If I could say this last thing, that I want you to remember this. How you are managing yourself now will determine the life that you live in the next few years. It, it will determine. If you're faithful with the little, God will entrust you with much. If you're unfaithful, Jesus said, who will, who will, who's going to trust you with true riches? They're like, but I don't like what I have right now. If you're faithful with it now, God will give you something else and promote you. How you handle now is in direct 
correlation to how your future will be determined. And so I'm praying for grace for all of us. This is for me. This is for you tonight. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that each one of us will embrace the process and learn to wait. And, Lord, that we could cling to you and to your ways. Holy Spirit, would you just let the truth and the grace of God come to our hearts tonight? And, and Lord, show us what are you trying to teach us? What are you trying to remove from our hearts? And I pray that you would grant us repentance tonight. We could change our minds about this stuff. And Lord, I pray for the in, inner work of the Holy Spirit. And as we, as you bring up some stuff, God, I just pray that each one of us would just be able to f forsake it and just let it go at your feet. And so we just thank you for this, Lord. Let's just stand together and we're just going to worship for a few moments and let, let the truth of God just come in our hearts. Come on.